If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome, everybody. This is Voices in Data Storage, brought to you by Gigaohm. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we are recording live from Dell Technologies World. So the format of this episode is a little bit different from the usual one. I'll be talking with influencers, Dell executives and partners for the next couple of days in small segments. Enjoy the listen. So welcome again to Voices in Data Storage live from Dell Technology World. I am with two of my influencer friends here, uh, Keith and uh, Tim. Do you want to introduce yourself, guys? Sure, Keith Townsend, Principal CTO Advisor. Tim Crawford, CIO and Strategic Advisor to BOA. So we, have, uh, uh, we are here at the, the Luminaries uh, booth, and uh, af- just after the keynote, uh, we, we saw a very interesting keynote, I, uh, I mean, you know, Michael Dell is still very excited about what he's doing with, uh, with his company and all the partnership that they have. Probably the most interesting thing was, uh, or controversial at the same time, was uh, having uh, VMware and Microsoft on stage together with Mr. Dell. What do you right. think about it? Yeah, so me and Tim were just talking about this right before you grabbed this to record. From a technology perspective, I love the announcement. Really cool uh, concept of what they're doing. This was kind of rumored back in August. Pat has been talking about or heading towards this type of a, arrangement. I think uh, my walking away from a capabilities perspective, I think it was a missed opportunity. You know, one, it was cool to see two traditional rivals on stage doing what's right by the customer, but I didn't walk away understanding exactly what was right about what they were doing. Right. Yeah, I think, Keith, you're spot on. I mean, you've got Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, and well-respected, well-understood, and frankly, very well-spoken when he gets on stage. Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of VMware, and you've got Michael Dell, the CEO of Dell Technologies. Three powerhouse CEOs on stage, and they should really be talking about the experience and what the customer is really going to gain from this. And they probably only spent a few minutes talking about the product that they're in the service that they're in the integration they're coming out with but it really missed the mark for me in terms of if i'm a cio if i'm an enterprise what am i going to gain from this other than maybe some better integration between the different products in fact i actually think it went a little further in that when they started to talk about the cloud and they started to talk about cloud on Azure, it started to create some confusion. If I'm a customer that's familiar with VMware on AWS, how do I differentiate between the two? Or how do I start to understand how these different integrations come together? That's where I think they they really missed the mark to create clarity where it's desperately needed. Don't you think that it's just that they were not ready today to to share this kind of information? I mean, so they they started to show uh, some uh, friendship that uh, this was the first time, okay, mm-hmm. but you know, the technology is not ready, that the product is not there yet. Yeah, I think even from a, I think what they missed, even if the product isn't ready, is the vision. So at the end of the day, what can I do? So Michael did an incredible job setting us up for, this isn't about speeds and fees, this is about solving really big problems. And what I didn't get to from the three of those really powerhouse CEOs who've, who've talked about big problems before, how does this partnership help solve big problems? And I think if they would have brought it back to how, do, how are we solving in the theme of Michael's uh, introduction, how are we solving big world changing problems, how are we moving the needle, how does this partnership move the needle? And I think that's where they missed. I think from a geek perspective, I instantly understood the value of what they were doing, but from a CIO perspective, Tim, I agree with you. It's kind of like uh, Azure on, and it, it's really confusing because Ad, uh, Microsoft Azure already offers a VMware hosted solution. So 
how is this different? Yeah, and you know, you, you bring up a good point we were talking about before we started recording, which is how do you start to how do you start to differentiate the, the different pieces? And it was interesting because in the Q and A after the keynote uh, that I was uh, attending, there was clarification that was made. So the VMware on AWS offering is VMware's offering. Right. VMware with Azure, that's actually Microsoft's offering. Mm. But Pat actually got up on stage and said in the Q&A that the preference is VMware on AWS. So for VMware's, from VMware's perspective, it's going to be VMware on AWS, which is what we're already familiar with. But kind of going back to what you were saying, Enrico, about, well, do you think it's, um, they were talking about a product that just wasn't ready to be talked about? I actually don't think that's the case. I mean, you've got three well-spoken folks that they understand the in industry intimately. Yeah. They understand how this should all come together. I mean, frankly, they, you should be able to just drop them in anywhere and they can talk their way out of it. But the reality is, I think this is, again, the missed opportunity because, as you said, Keith, they, Michael did a great job of talking about big picture items but he didn't connect the dots between those big picture items and what the enterprise is fighting with. That's great that you can get into the trench and you can talk about speeds and feeds, but there are a lot of dots in between there that you've got to be able to connect today, and I think that's where it was really Don't nice. you think that uh, this move could be you know, more on the VMware side, meaning they, they are trying to prove that they can run on any cloud and on-premises as well, so it's more to help uh, uh, VMware in their next evolution as a company than Dell because Dell can already talk to everybody in the industry because they are the platform that runs right. you know it's x86 servers and EMC storage and whatever but VMware you know the real VMware competitor today yes they are friends but also uh, they are frenemies somehow. So mm -hmm. think about uh, AWS or Google or even Azure. Okay, um, so they want to be there. They want to give a, an answer to their customers, saying, "Look, we already have the next uh, evolution of our platform, which is the real multi-cloud that nobody else can give you." And I but think Tim, we've talked about this several times on infrastructure. CIOs don't care about infrastructure. In a sense, from one infrastructure company to another infrastructure company, what is the difference between HPE and Dell? I think today, we can, from a technology perspective and the breadth of offering, we can see the difference between Dell and HPE if you're down in the trenches. But as you start to get past like the financials and the just breadth of offering, HPE has very similar messaging, if not, if not capability. But it's on the it's on Michael Dell, it's on Pat Gelsinger to say explicitly why this matters. Yeah. I think I think you're spot on, Keith. I think the, the real issue here is great. So you can run VMware on top of Dell. I was doing that fifteen years ago. My organizations were doing that before that. That's nothing new. I think what's missing here is that connection point of why is this valuable for the customer today? So how are you bringing this together? You can't just paint a broad brush and say, oh yeah, this is better for the customer and expect people to buy into it. People are buying into vision, right? Just as you were so, saying, and we, we didn't hear that. Yeah, but the problem is probably also in the keynote, they talked a lot about PCs, about Office 365. Do we really care? I mean, they care because it's part of their business. I, right. I totally understand, but actually, from the vision point of view, and as you said, connecting the dots, so the the grand picture, is it was it really important? E even in the in the segment with Satya, they talked uh, you know part of the time about about it. It's so I don't want to pay I don't, don't want to paint too broad of a brush, but a lot of enterprises are you know maybe two years ago if you would have came out with this desktop solution two years ago, big deal because it's pain point. Now, I don't want to say it's not a pain point today, but mentally, I think most organizations are moving away from the idea that the desktop is something to be managed versus the desktop is some ephemeral thing that I can throw out. That's I mean, right. how many companies today are at the point that an employee can lose a laptop, uh, the IT department can just uh, you know, slap their hands together and deploy a new uh, 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 
uh, laptop and the, and the employees productive within a reasonable amount of time. I think there's a gap. The, the, the more forward-leaning companies are already there, but I think the industry as a whole is moving towards kind of the desktop as a disposable thing that I don't need to put as many resources in to manage. That's absolutely right. And kind of to this connecting the dots that I think is missing, this is another example of that. So what are they doing to help me manage that environment more holistically? Granted, I, again, I was doing that 15 years ago. I'm not exaggerating here. These were There were tools that were available from Microsoft and others to be able to manage your desktop environment where you dropped a, a plain desktop in. I mean, shoot, even Dell, back to its infancy, back way back when, you could give them an image. Back in the 90s, yeah, you would you give them an it. image and they would actually burn that image onto the hard drive and ship it to your location with that golden master image. So my point is, I don't think any of what they said is that interesting. I think what they missed is, what are the tools that they are putting in place to help me manage that environment more holistically? What are the tools they're putting in place to help me manage those different cloud environments and make it look like a single pane of glass? We briefly saw a demo of it, briefly, but I would have rather seen more time in the keynote spent on how that's coming together because as I start to up-level my conversation as a CIO, as you were mentioning, Keith, CIOs generally are becoming less and less interested in infrastructure. They're more interested in the business outcomes. And when I think about that, I need to think about how is a tool going to help me with those business outcomes. Talking about speeds and feeds in a particular product isn't going to get me there. Don't you think that in the next couple of days we will see some of it? Because, uh, you know, maybe maybe they just missed the point in the keynote, but not that they don't have the tools or they don't have... You yeah. know, maybe it will be a blur. I, I don't think Satya is going to be on the keynote tomorrow. No, no, yes, but, but I think uh, that's in general, I mean, Pat is... Yeah, Pat, Pat will be there tomorrow. I think that the, the frustration for me as a, you know, an infrastructure guy, I don't get the CEO of Microsoft on stage at my shows pretty often. So I like to take as much advantage of that as possible. So from a, you know, I, I didn't have my Steve Jobs iPhone moment when, <laughs> or even iPhone improvement moment. Like this, uh, we're not talking about the uh, launch of the original iPhone. I'm talking about the 3GS or the iPhone 4S. I would have I settled for that Steve Jobs in Satya. And he's capable of doing that. And, and I think that was, that was the miss. Yeah. Okay, totally, I understand. So, uh, thank you very much guys for uh, chiming in and uh, how do, can our audience find you on the Twitters? You can find me on Twitter at T Crawford or my blog at aboa.com. And then you can find me at CTO Advisor on Twitter at thectoadvisor.com. Very good. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Me, I have Chris Mellor, uh, one of the most Influential journalist in the in the search world. Rubbish. I'm just a reporter. <laughs> I cover a lot of ground. That's all. Uh, so, long time friend, and uh, we met at uh, at a lot of events. And yeah. today we are here at uh, Dell Technologies World. What do you think about Dell in general after a couple of years uh, uh, after the acquisition? I think what Dell has done is phenomenal. It seems to me that Dell is one of three substantial hardware-based system IT companies along with Huawei and IBM. But IBM is falling behind. It was once a $100 billion plus company, but it's now about $90 billion revenue. Dell is about $94 billion revenue and headed to $100 billion, and Huawei is past $100 billion. Cisco, Oracle, HP, they're down in the 30 to 45 million billion dollars a year level. So they're about half or less the size of Dell at the moment. What happens next is very interesting to me. Yes, also if we consider that Dell and Huawei, so they are cover two different geographies, yes. and and also they are the uh, only two companies having a so broad lineup of products. Yes, <clears throat> and yet there's the big differences. Huawei is a telecommunications and smartphone company, basically, with an $11 billion a year enterprise storage and service business. Dell is completely different. Smartphones, no, none. Telecommunications, 
Not really, it's got a few switches, but it's certainly not in the carrier business, which is big strength of Huawei. So the two companies overlap in the enterprise systems area, where Dell is humongously larger than Huawei. And yeah, absolutely. the same revenue. And what, is, what do you think is the next big challenge for them? I am entranced by the possibilities. Michael Dell's only about 55. Well, he's a young guy. He's, he's in his prime, and he's top of the hardware systems IT company. He, yeah, and what this morning we, we had this keynote. He was really excited, you know. Uh, and um, yes, when I, when I see Dell compared to other CEOs in, the, in, the, in this industry, it's yes, incredible. Yes, Larry Ellison. You almost get the impression he's tired. Bill Gates, of course, has left. Satya Nadella is not a founder CEO. Well, Michael Dell is a true founder CEO. And I think he's still got a load of energies left in him. And I think he wants to grow the company even more. Do you think a new acquisition in a couple so. of years? I think so. I'd like to think so, of course. But he pulled off this amazing $67 billion EMC acquisition. Well, for a guy who's done that, does he want to do the same again, or bigger, or is he content to do myriad topping acquisitions at the one to ten billion dollar acquisition cost level? I, I don't know. I mean, demand's unique, but yeah, surely he's going to do more. And uh, it's really, really at the helm of the company. I mean, uh, he is the boss. He's the the owner. Yes, you know. he once uh, about ten or fifteen years ago, maybe twenty years ago, he stepped aside and let somebody else run the company. Well, they didn't do a good job of it, and he had to come back in and take it over. And look what he's done since then. It's just amazing. What is this guy going to end up yeah. doing? Indeed. And what do you think about uh, EMC? So let's uh, talk a little bit more about uh, our field. Yes, EMC. Big presence here. New Unity arrays, new Isolon arrays, new data protection devices. Very little from the SC side of Dell storage. Yet at the same time, you get the feeling, I get the feeling, that it's Dell EMC, and, and the EMC is just a little bit forced and just a little bit, do we really need it anymore? And it's almost as if the EMC integration has gone so well now that the EMC bit is just a brand. The old EMC people, the pirates, the entrepreneurs, the people with overlapping and competing product groups, they've gone away. Very few of them are left. Beth Valen's still around, a few others. But basically, Dell managers, Dell directors run the EMC business. And I think EMC as a brand is slowly going to evaporate. <laughs> well, there is also some innovation. I mean, the power marks with the NVMe backend and yes. so, so they, they are doing things. I, I mean, it's not a, maybe they are not so visible like in the past because just now they are just. For, a, forgive me, I, I didn't mean to imply that Dell was lacking in innovation, which was an accusation leveled at it a few years ago. Far from it. I think Dell is being very, very innovative with its products. It's just that the EMC brand, I think, is weakening and going away in favor of the Dell brand. All the storage is power something, power max, power vault, and so forth. And I think the SC brand and the EMC brand will slowly go. Yeah. And, um, and also, maybe uh, if you think about Dell as a very, very mature company, so they, they are embracing cloud, mm. but uh, in the, I think in an intelligent way, meaning they, they, they are not building their own cloud, fortunately, they are partnering with everybody through VMware. But, uh, yes. So we, we saw uh, VMware uh, on uh, partnering with uh, Microsoft today, with Amazon, with Amazon, with IBM, with everybody. So they, they, they are also, you know, somehow, Telling to the customers, look, we you can buy the full stack from us directly because we have a full managed service that you can buy. This, uh, they call it data center as a service, yeah. which is good. Okay, you can like it, you can not. But anyway, you can buy um, VMware in whatever flower you like. And at the end of the day, so it's a sign of maturity. I think it's uh, it's something that uh, you don't find from uh, everybody. I think for an enterprise buyer, the idea that you can go to Dell EMC VMware and have one developer environment, one operation environment, one contract negotiating environment to deal with 
without having to deal with 37 different storage products and compute instances inside Amazon, which don't happen to exist on your on-premises data center. That's a, let's be blunt about it. Coming at it from an Amazon public cloud point of view, having a hybrid cloud based on Amazon is really an important proposition. Amazon outposts in AWS, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> and as your stack, it's, it's not been that successful either. I think for people who want a hybrid cloud at the moment, where the on-premises and the public and cloud environment are pretty much the same from the operational development point of view, you have to start with on-premises. And that yeah. means VMware, effectively. Yeah, indeed. And also, if we consider that, uh, you know, now there is a lot of Kubernetes and other orchestrators around. But actually, if you are on-premises, you still start with Kubernetes on top of VMware because yeah. it's just easier for you. And then maybe you will move to other, you know, implementation of Kubernetes, more bare metal. But actually, you know, the, the, the first step is always VMware. Yes. I think Nutanix has the right idea with Kubernetes, which is to put a good abstraction layer on top of it to make it a lot easier to use. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Dell's going to do the same thing with that or not. In, in a way, VMware is the abstraction layer on top of Kubernetes. That's maybe stretching an analogy a little bit too far. Well, and the competition on the Kubernetes you know, world is too, too strong now. But, the the, the yes. risk is... So if you have players like Google that actually invented Kubernetes, that are proposing a layer that is you know, available on every cloud and on-premises, why building another you know, competing platform? Indeed, why bother? You've got to have something really convincing and compelling to people to make them move away from it. It would be far easier for Google, I think, to work with VMware, as Amazon and as you have found as well. But it's good. I think that in this uh, two, three days, we will see a lot of, uh, you know, of this uh, kind of partnership and integration between Dell and, um, you know, its uh, acquisitions and uh, the partners. And it's, uh, I would like to, to think that uh, it's a really different company from uh, just three, four years ago. Yes, I think so. Um, I think there's another aspect that's beginning to rear its head to me here, and that is that some of the interesting EMC outliers like Pivotal, with Dell being a 93, 94 billion dollar revenue company, Pivotal revenues are a tiny proportion of that. They're not significant. And Pivotal seems to have virtually no presence here whatsoever, which leads me to wonder. What's the future for Pivotal? Does it have a future inside Dell? Is it strategic or is it just a tactical thing that's nice to have? Uh, yeah, they have, but uh, also Boomi or, or the, the other companies they have. I, I think that uh, for the very large enterprises, these kind of companies yes. are, are really important because they. Oh, they I can, see. You're right. At the top of the enterprise tree, you have to have companies like that. Yeah. So the bulk of them, they don't know. No, they, they they are not really addressing for the small company or for the small integrator even. But actually, they, they have products that are in the you know in the very large infrastructure making. General Electric yeah. and people like that. Exactly. Okay. That they also invested in in field of the Yeah. So, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure about you know some other components of the of the product lineup, but actually Pivotal, Boomi, they make a lot of sense for that. One thing that's, um, to, to my mind, a little bit regrettable about this event is that there's no mention, publicly at least, of the new mid-range storage product coming. This is the one that's going to be a migration path for Unity, for Extreme IO, and for the SC from the other side of the storage units. Well, there are a lot of, yes. So, uh, some of these projects are really not evolving properly. I mean, uh, there is a lack of, uh, of innovation there. And while the competition is doing uh, a lot of great things. Yes, I think, I think Enrico, that's a, that's a strong point. That at the moment, Unity, Extremo, and the SC may be languishing a little bit compared to the competition. Although, thankfully, from Dell's point of view, HP isn't providing that much of a strong competitive presence either. 
the meta, it's a different story. However, I think that the development of Extreme IO and of Unity and of ESC has perhaps been slowed off because the engineers there know that the new mid-range product is coming and that's where the focus is. So their energies are focused on naturally making sure that their current customer base can migrate to the new system down the road as, as easily and as reliably as possible. Maybe, maybe there is also another perspective on this. I mean, on the very high end, people still buy power lines, as yes. well as Itachi, as well as uh, this kind of system. But on the low end, okay. hyperconvergence is doing pretty well, and they have the X-Rail, this kind mm. of stuff. So maybe they have all the solutions. Uh, maybe they are not in a hurry on developing this old system. Some of them are really old. And uh, maybe this could be the next acquisition. This is, this is a, fun, it's a fun thing to think. Of. A while ago, Wikibon came out with a graph that showed server SAN wiping out external SANs completely. I don't think that's going to happen. I think a while ago, people thought the on-premises IT business was going to go away and it was all going to be public cloud. Well, that's not the case. It's yeah. going to be a hybrid between on-premises IT and the public cloud with multiple public clouds. So how about thinking of the idea there's going to be a kind of hybrid between high-converged systems and shared external storage as well. It won't be all one or all the other. There'll be different courses for different courses, so to speak. And the two will cooperate and coexist. Yeah, but that's to the point. Probably it's easier for a company, a 100 billion company, buying uh, one of these many startups that we have in the block storage still yes. today. A software-defined company, a software-defined solution, and, and something that is you know, easy to adopt for the small medium businesses. And uh, you, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, do, so, I know, I know so exactly let, what you and mean. And let the old platform die. And if we were, if, if this was the old EMC world, and somebody like Weka.io had come along, we could see Joe Tucci saying, well, let's buy it. Let's shove it in our own division, and then it can compete with the other EMC divisions, and the best one can win. Well, that's not how Dell operates. The way, the way Dell operates is not to buy in some misbred, odd little hound with promise and put it in its kennel where it doesn't fit with the rest of the dogs in the kennel. Dell's are more coordinated and integrated. It wants things combined and working together. So Dell wouldn't buy an outlier like Weka.io or something unless it was in a really clearly defined market niche. But if it's competing with, overlapping significantly with one of its own products, I don't think Dell would buy Weka.io. And that's one big difference between Dell and the old EMC. Yeah, so we will see what happens in the next couple of years, I think. I think we will. It's going to be really interesting because Michael's got a lot of energy and a lot of financial firepower at his disposal. Thank you again, Chris, for your time. Great stuff. Thank you, Enrico. Okay, back again from the Bell Technology World. For this segment, I'm with Ray Lucchesi, uh, Silverton Consulting. Hi, Ray. How are you? Thank you, Enrico. Great. Great to, uh, great to talk to you guys again. Ah, so this is a GigaOne podcast? Yes, this is the GigaOne podcast, okay. Voices in Data Storage. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very happy to have you uh, as a guest. And, uh, My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, what do you think about the, the show so far? The show so far is pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of um, a lot of emphasis on cloud. Obviously, I mean, this whole Dell Technologies cloud coming out and uh, VxRail, data centers as a service. Lots of lots of new stuff coming out. And what do you think about the storage uh, part? Because uh, it, it's a little. I know there is a debate in uh, between us influencers about about the fact that EMC is a little bit fading in the. In the I, I product lineup, yeah. From a brand perspective, yes, but I don't think the the, the storage uh, side of things is still uh, active and well. I mean, obviously, they just just released a, a new Unity solution, which is a next generation Unity product. They still have Compellent, they've got PowerMax, they got PowerVault. Storage is not going away. They still got a very healthy share, and they're still gaining market share there. So, yeah, you know, industry wise, what's happening from an on-prem versus cloud? That's an interesting discussion in and of itself, but uh, I don't think on-prem is not not going to go away anytime soon. So, 
Yeah, but also or, in the, all the announcement that we saw in uh, this couple of days, they, they are very, very heavy on the cloud. And oh God, yes. Yeah. Not only VMware part, but actually also in the storage, there yeah. are options to move data to the cloud, and uh, so they, they are doing it right uh, somehow. Right. We're seeing that, uh, I would say they're adopting a hybrid cloud model as, as quickly as they can across their product line. VMware has been there earlier to some extent. They released the, uh, the Azure version of uh, VMC, which is uh, which is interesting news in and of itself. Uh, but they're also providing you know, a network-attached uh, cloud storage, which is a service kind of thing that you can attach to multiple clouds and have your data fast and reliable and highly available and available through across, across multiple clouds to compute and stuff like that. So yeah, storage is not going away. No, that, thank that's... God. <laughs> Gotta keep me alive for at least another decade or so. But it was interesting to see that uh, this is a very... You know, we were we used to this event like the EMC world and now it's you know less focused, I, I would say. Uh, it's interesting because uh, as we mentioned earlier also in this podcast, so the company is growing pretty well. I mean, uh, it's now uh, in the verge of a 100 billion God, yeah. uh, revenue per yeah. year. And, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting. It, it it's, looks like that, uh, yes, storage is no longer, you know, the focus of the show, but actually in general, I think for the end users uh, as well as both partners, maybe this one is a better show. We, we saw booths from uh, IBM, and others that yeah, Cisco was here, Cisco, uh, yeah, NAC, lots of NTT kinds of companies. And Rock you think com, about obviously. them as competitors, but actually also as partners. Red Hat was here. I couldn't believe Red Hat was here. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of place, you know, and, and, and the industry, quite frankly, is big enough that everybody can survive. It's not a zero sum game. It's not like you take away from IBM and give to Dell. When the IT market grows, everybody grows with it. Yeah, some, somewhere you're going to take a share from one guy to another, but in the end, it's, it's all part of getting, the, getting to the customer what they need and what they want. And what do you think about uh, the other announcement uh, around uh, the cloud? So the, this is data center as a service that they launched uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Obviously, you know, here's, a, here's, a, here's the problem, right? Workloads moving to the cloud, whether whether Dell or anybody else really wants it to move to the cloud. So how do you how do you provide that sort of capability to your standard on-prem environment? And uh, people want I want cloud capabilities at home. I want on home. I want it so I can control it, so I can maintain the performance, the security, and and, and reliability and all that stuff. Maybe there are some operational aspects that are really really complicated because just. Yeah purchasing this hardware, getting delivered, right. and uh, you know, ready to operate, it takes a lot of time for, yeah. for traditional organization. Yeah, right? yeah. Just to find a place in the data center, yeah. connecting all the cables. Uh, the one thing I thought was surprising, because they had on a demo yesterday, you know, uh, a segment where they showed what it would look like to fire up a new cloud data center someplace, and it was like 30 days from order to turn on, stuff like that. I don't understand why it takes 30 days to deliver a rack, but you got to deliver the rack, you got to do the software, the hardware, and a technician. You've got to show up at some site, someplace in Peoria, Illinois, or Ramini, whatever, Italy. You know, how you do that effectively, you want to get that down to seconds. You want yeah. to get that down to minutes. You want to get down, that down to Amazon two-day delivery or something like that. Well, maybe, maybe there are things that you want to keep at home, and this model helps you to, to standardize the, the way you consume the resources, right. meaning not, uh, not looking at the cloud uh, only from you know, the pure operational thing, but also from the financial aspect yeah, the of things. Beside, the fractional, fractional solutions and stuff like that. So you can buy you know, a, a specific CPU with this amount of memory and this amount of graphics and this amount of SSD, that sort of thing. Yeah, you want to have that capability. Can you get that with uh, data centers of service? Yeah, it's there. It's not quite all there, but you know, it's on it's on that uh, roadmap to some extent. Yeah, indeed. And what else about uh, you know the feeling that you got from the keynote? For example, I I was impressed by Dell, Michael by, Dell, by yeah, Michael Dell, yeah. which is you know still very very excited about what he's doing. Uh, yeah. It's, he's an interesting character. He's obviously got a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of things going on in his, in his level. 
what was surprising to me to see Pat Gelsinger and and Satya uh, Nadia, the CEO of Microsoft, the CEO of VMware, on the same stage. And Michael was kind of in between them, trying to referee between the two of them. They would never, 10 years ago, they would have been in each other's throats. You yeah. Know? yeah. So the, the industry's changing. Obviously, it's the right move to take VMC to Azure and to take it elsewhere. I'm sure they're going to do that over time. But Sometimes I'm still surprised that they talk uh, very much about uh, PCs. Yeah, there's still so talking about PCs. Lots yeah. of Windows 10 stuff. And then, yeah, obviously, Michael Dell's business, you know, a big chunk of it is in PC. So that, that's not going away anytime soon. That's well, an interesting time. I mean, you know, NVMe over fabric stuff is starting to come out. You start seeing little bits and part pieces of it in various various products and stuff like that. Uh, storage is still hot. Yeah. Cloud indeed. is still hot. And, and servers are still hot. Optane has got some, you know, they're showing some Optane stuff here. Intel's here, so. Yeah, yeah, right, but Intel also, because yeah. they are a huge they're, part of. Everything. Yeah, but, but uh, but yes, it's interesting. I mean that uh, we are on the verge of a you know new generation of products because yeah. Intel Octane is going to uh, to help vendors to build a bigger system. Yeah. yeah, not only bigger but faster and easier to to design and to deploy because now we have standard components. You know, NVDIMs were always a little bit tricky uh, to manage yeah. to to yeah. do everything with them, and now now you have this almost. Not the same performance, but uh, you know, you, you, fully you get closer. supported, fully supported solutions, storage, yeah, storage class memory kinds of things with multiple modes of operation that you can turn on with the BIOS switch and stuff like that. Yeah, and the world is coming down this path. Hmm. Whether Optane's the right answer or not, I don't know. But you know, if you want to do something with a six terabyte SAP HANA kind of uh, memory in memory database, I think it's the right answer at yeah. the moment. Oh yes, yes, and and. And if you combine this with the capacities of new NVMe devices that are uh, coming yeah. out, like QLC memory, yeah. this kind of thing, you know, it's huge. It is know? huge. It's huge. I mean, we were talking, uh, I guess there's a new um, Isilon node they announced, which was a uh, 800 terabyte, you know. Yeah. Eight core. I mean, it's a, it's a honking monster. You know, it's all SSDs, you know. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. crazy, yeah. But, but, you know, this is the... This what, is the world. Uh, some yeah, some user demand now. So yeah. very well. Thank you very much for uh, for your time recording this. My uh, pleasure, Enrico, Enrico, and thank you very much for asking me to be on your show today. Very good. Thank you. Bye bye. Welcome to a new segment of uh, Voices in Data Storage Live from Dell Technology World. I'm here with uh, Chris Walsh from Sunblaze and uh, Harry He from uh, Virtual Instruments. Hi guys, how are you? Good, good, how are you? Fantastic, how are you doing? Very good. You are partners of uh, Dell Technologies because you, you're, uh, you have a product that is designed to monitor and uh, work on, on the uh, performance side of, uh, mm -hmm. of, the, of the stack, okay? Meaning you can uh, Analyze all the workloads that uh, comes in the storage in the in the storage network, and, and in the years you developed a lot of protocols. So you started with the traditional one like FC and SCSI, and then you went with the object stores and files. And now lately you just announced NVMe, right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, so uh, I mentioned two companies: Virtual uh, Instruments and Sunblaze. Maybe you wanted to introduce your companies. Oh yeah, sure. I'll start if uh, Rick, if you don't mind. All right, so I'm Henry from Virtual Instruments. Virtual Instruments provides application-centric infra infrastructure performance monitoring solutions for the enterprise. And we have another product solution called Workload Wisdom that works with Virtual Wisdom by collecting production data from the customer's uh, production environment, create workload models, and, and allow users to perform testing in the lab environment so that when they're ready to deploy, they know that they're going to deploy with the right configuration for their applications. And after they deploy, they have visibility into that environment every day. Hi, thank you. Um, my name is Rick Walsh. I'm uh, VP of uh, Worldwide Sales and Marketing for Sandblaze Technology. What we do is we are uh, an IO engine, an emulator product 
for the SAN environment and that has been our traditional business, our traditional business being Fiber Channel, iSCSI, SAS in the uh, good old old days. Uh, now with the NVMe explosion, we are pushing our uh, solutions to the NVMe space, both native and fabric NVMe, which led to the partnership between Sandblaze and Virtual Instruments on workload generation. That has been part of real workload generations, I should say. That has been part of our test strategy moving forward. We've been a synthetic workload strategist uh, from the get-go, uh, IO engine around synthetic workloads. And now partnering with virtual instruments, we can actually look at real-world workloads, which is much more powerful to the customer environment. So the marriage between the two companies is, is very optimal for both delivering an IO performance engine for NVMe and at the same time looking at true workload environments for an IT infrastructure. So we are here at uh, Dell Technologies World, as I said, and you have a huge booth. Right? <laughs> Thank you. It, so, is, it is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> now, so the idea is, um, what do you think about this show? Okay, which was EMC World in the past. So right. probably this is why you have this uh, important presence here, right? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so it's certainly Dell EMC, uh, the Dell EMC Technologies World, it, or Dell Technologies World now, it is the most important show for virtual instruments. It's the biggest trade show for us every year. And certainly on you know, outside of the trade show world from a day-to-day -day, uh, operations perspective, Dell MC is both a huge customer as well as a huge partner. So we're very excited to be here every year. And this year we're seeing quite a bit of a very interesting and new topics. One of the key themes I keep hearing over and over throughout the different sessions through this morning's uh, general session introduction from Dell MC's senior staff is NVMe. NVMe, it's a very hot topic nowadays, especially in the storage world. And there are quite a lot of sessions on that topic. Okay, let's dig then a little bit on NVMe, NVMe over fabric, and why you can bring an advantage to the end user. Okay, why they should adopt your your solution? What's the challenge of NVMe, or in general, what's the challenge with the complex storage error network and sometimes powerful storage that is underutilized because there are issues in the network? Right. So I think uh, I mean, we can take a step back and think about how the typical IT engineer or the storage architect or any uh, data center operator look at a new technology, right? So anytime when you introduce a new technology, there's a little bit of unease because people aren't sure, okay, how new is this? Is this still proven? Is there a multi-vendor ecosystem here that's going to support this new technology? So I think a lot of people are familiar with the concept of crossing a chasm, right? Enrico, you're probably familiar with that uh, very well uh, also. So I think right now what we're seeing with NVMe is that they're trying to cross that chasm. Right, so NVMe, uh, let's get a little technical and a little, let's get a little geeky for a few moments here. So NVMe was actually introduced a few years ago, but for the most part, it was just in uh, stores, a local source media that lives inside a customer server. So enterprises, however, typical large-scale uh, large enterprises, they prefer a dedicated shared storage environment, a shared storage infrastructure that can make those high-end storage services available to hundreds to thousands or tens of thousands of servers. So what really needed, what's really needed to push NVMe over the chasm is NVMe over fabrics. So you saw some of the recent announcements this week from Dell EMC that their PowerMax arrays and their other systems are gonna be NVMe ready. Uh, Cisco also made similar announcements where their, their switches, their NDS switches are gonna start providing NVMe metrics. So what we're doing is that we're working with all these companies in, in addition to Sandblaze to collect these NVMe metrics uh, in real time from a storage environment, from that production environment. So that customers can better understand how the applications are working in this new environment the moment they start injecting NVMe into that infrastructure. And also anytime with new technologies, it's an investment, right? I mean, people want to know that they're making the right decisions. So how do you make that right decision? Two things you can do here. Number one is before you deploy, you make sure that your right size of configuration is such that it's gonna it's optimal from a cost performance perspective for your applications. So how do they do that? You do that by realistic production workload modeling. And today we're working with Sandblaze to make that a reality. Now, once you deploy it, you don't want to lose sight of it because in this era of IoT and uh, transformation, digital transformation, with new mobile devices being added to infrastructure every day, 
the workers are guaranteed to change on a day-to-day -day basis. So even from the moment you deploy it, you want to start instrument that, instrumenting that environment. So just so you know, you can, you can keep an eye on any changes in your production workload characteristics so you can get ahead of any potential problems. So let's put this in a more general context. I mean, uh, uh, V4A instruments is uh, uh, intervening in the life of your storage infrastructure several times. So before you buy, because you want to evaluate the new infrastructure, when you deploy, just to understand if you are doing things right, and when you are in production, mm -hmm. to understand what is really happening, okay, and uh, evaluate issues or also remediate before the issue becomes a real problem, right? right? Okay, and not, and not only that, mm -hmm. the identification of those issues, and then the re the ability to regression test against those issues so they don't come back, right? And uh, so, why do we have? Uh, the need of a specific workload generation. I mean, there are several products, open source product, most of them, that are available. Why is Sunblaze is so different from this, uh, you know, product? Well, it's not just Sunblaze, it's our capability of taking a workload wisdom model and replaying it. So with their analytics, we get a more real-world capture of what exactly is going on in that specific environment because the environment's changed. And even within the same environment, things will change over time. And as things are added and subtracted into the, uh, into the whole environment. So in order to make sure that you're on top of it and you're getting the most bang for your buck, that's where we come in and help with the analysis to not only make new buy decisions, but also to uh, get the most out of their investment from a performance and um, latency standpoint. Right, but there is also uh, optimization, you know, uh, point of view uh, about this kind of product. I mean, if right. it's not optimized, then it's hard to deliver the million of IOPS that maybe you need to test NVMe properly. Right, that's absolutely true. Optimization is a key part of it. Mm. Cost justification and optimization is really what it's all about, and saving customers money. Okay, so and uh, what about uh, the evolution of the product? So we are already talking about NVMe on TCP, which uh -huh. is the next step. Okay, uh -huh. that adds another level of complexity, which is TCP. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about uh, uh, the future? Are you already working on something in, uh, in that direction? Yeah, so I'm actually very excited about these different new NVMe over fabric transports. You named uh, TCP, that's one of several transport options that are available, right? So there is also Rocky RDMA over converged Ethernet, and there's also iWarp, and who knows what other future you know, transports are out there for NVMe, right? And I think the good news is that we'll take a step back and look at the evolution of the storage technology history. We're actually not. We're actually not at. A, we're actually at a point where that we've been to before. That we, we've seen similar things before. Right? Originally, when when hard drives were simply when storage was only available from inside a local system, right? And over time, that became available over shared fabric. Right? Fiber channel came along, and then people felt, well, you know what? I have an IP infrastructure. I want to make those storage services available across my IP infrastructure and potentially across the internet. Right, so then you have things like iSCSI that came along and also file protocols and object protocols. So I think NVMe right now is really walking down a very similar path, but with a lot more capabilities. Yeah. Fiber Channel right now, well, from what we've seen in this show so far, Fiber Channel uh, has been a very popular transport. And I think the reason is that most of the, you know, the, the Fortune 2000 type companies have a large fiber channel uh, infrastructure. Right. It doesn't make sense, right? However, certainly there are also a lot of other uh, organizations out there that are running on IP networks, Ethernet networks. So certainly NVMe over TCP is something that we expect to become very popular because it doesn't require a hardware upgrade to enable RDMA on every hop, right? So, but certainly that's not to say there's no no place for Rocky over, uh, sorry, RDMA over Rocky. Right, I mean, RDMA over converges Ethernet because for this HPC clusters and for people who like InfiniBand and that that type of technologies. I mean, no, no, yes. it's sense. not even if they like it or not. It's just that they need it. Uh, exactly so. right. <laughs> and uh, and Sandblaze is already working on all of those protocols. Mm -hmm. We have been shipping RDMA for two years. We're already so we support uh, iWarp. We mm -hmm. support Rocky version two, 
and we are working on TCP IP right now. So it's just a matter of converging with virtual instruments on the next step for our partnership. So I suppose that uh, from the end user point of view, from the field, you see at the moment much a lot of uh, NVMe over fibers channel as a transport layer, but also uh, Ethernet growing. So actually, so from uh, that actually that's very interesting because over the last few weeks I've been having very similar conversations, similar conversations with customers and potential customers. So certainly for most of our current customers who are generally the Fortune 2000 type companies. NVMe over fiber channel so far has been the, the transport that they're most interested in. And for reasons I explained earlier, because they have an infrastructure there already that they want to continue to get the most money, you know, get the most out yeah. of. Now, it, very interestingly, I'm, I probably shouldn't, uh, probably can't or should not mention their name. So I also talked to a, a, you know, another store's uh, vendor whole strategy was actually to start out with NVMe over RDMA instead of NVMe over fiber channel. So I felt, well, that's kind of strange. I mean, aren't you guys missing the boat? So the guy's uh, response to me was that, you know, NVMe, NVMe over fiber channel, right? It's definitely the most popular out there. And they felt that it's if they jump in, they throw their hats into the ring, it'll just be another guy out there on the street, right? However, so the felt like with the, with the new data center build-outs, with the new Greenfield data centers, and uh, two weeks ago I read this uh, data center infrastructure report that says that for some of these large enterprises out there, every year they're building anywhere from two to four new data centers. This particular source company saw that as an opportunity where the Greenfield data centers are more open to Ethernet or more open to IP infrastructures potentially. Right. So they thought, well, we're going to get started with NVMe over RDMA and then do fiber channel. So later. Greenfield's more Ethernet and Brownfield's more <laughs> FC. Well, I would say that's one guy's perspective. Yeah, right? no, 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 <laughs> yes, but just because you work in that field yeah. and more or less this is the same thing that we see at right. Gaum and, and, and I think it's a common sense. I mean, you spend so much money and in your fiber channel infrastructure it's hard to change, you know, you, you have to keep uh, things balanced. You have people working uh, with uh, with this kind of infrastructure, yeah. even changing, even mi mixing sometimes uh, the, the teams is not easy. So that's, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, people want to minimize risk. Yeah. How do you minimize risk? You change one thing at a time. You improve one thing at a time, right? In this case, it's improving, uh, upgrading from SCSI to NVMe. Right, and then throw NVMe over fabrics on top of that, but over fiber channel. That's how most of these uh, our customers think today. Okay, yeah. SAN plays just like virtual instruments. We started in the fiber channel, mm -hmm. SAN network uh, space. So yes, we have a little bit more allegiance to fiber channel today, but we are starting to see momentum in the Ethernet and right. fiber channel uh, over Ethernet um, spaces as well. So from our perspective, being a tool, a developer tool for early adoption of all these new technologies, I have to play in every space. So we have products that uh, cross the both both sides of the chasm. And just one last question. I, I mean, I, I know you for. Um, a long time now and you know you started with all hardware kind of uh, <laughs> oh, <geez>. product, product <laughs> yeah. and now you are moving a little bit uh, on a software defined yes on a software only not software defined maybe uh, kind of approach this also means that you can approach more customers you always mention fortune 2000 but actually performance problems issues with a large network are also for smaller customers, mm -hmm. medium-sized customers, yeah? Yeah, that's a good point. So certainly, I com completely agree with you that that's how we started, that's how companies started. And today, it still makes up a, a very significant part of our, of our customer base. So that's not going away, right? We continue to invest in that. At the same time, we're also realizing a couple of things. Right? One is that a lot of our customers are going through a digital transformation. What does that digital transformation mean? It means operational transformation. So what that what, what they're dealing with is they're now dealing with not just fiber channel, but now they're dealing with the, store, the fiber channel rate, uh, storage arrays, but potentially also NAS arrays, in some cases, object storage systems. And you also have hyper-converged infrastructures that they're looking at. At the same time, they have Hyper-V, they have VMware, they have vSphere, they have potentially KVM and some others virtualization platforms out there. And at the same time, you throw some private cloud and a mix of uh, private cloud and public cloud into their overall data center infrastructure that they're managing. Now, at the end of the day, what do they care about? 
application. They want to make sure their applications are going to be performing well. So what we really need to do is to give customers a single pane of glass that allows them to take a look at that entire infrastructure all the way from the application down to the VM, down to the hypervisor, down to the NIC and HBA, across the network infrastructure to the storage array system to give them that complete picture so they understand whether the infrastructure is currently serving the applications and be able to get ahead of any potential problems because the last thing they want is to enter that, uh, that IT war room. And right. our message here this year is about ending the IT war room. Very good, very good. Guys, thank you very much for uh, for this little uh, conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I think that we can wrap up with uh, a few links about uh, your companies on the web where we can find you. Maybe if you have uh, any social uh, uh, media accounts like Twitter or whatever, that would be helpful for uh, continuing the conversation online. Absolutely. And I just want to make one last note, especially something that's happening to serve up what, 500 feet away from us right now, right? So this year at the Dell, Tech, uh, Dell Technologies World, at our booth, we're showcasing the only end-to-end -end NVMe live demo with the Power Max. So I really want to recognize and thank our partners, Assembly, Cisco, and Dell EMC for working with us together to put together a very impressive show. So, I mean, if you have time after this uh, you know, podcast, come by and take a look. Okay, very good. Yeah, and likewise, uh, we're very excited about what we're seeing here today. Uh, as well as the announcement of Dell jumping into this space. It's going to drive uh, a lot of market acceptance from the get-go. Um, and from a product standpoint, you can follow us at uh, uh, sandblaze.com. We do have our Twitter account as well. Uh, follow us there and um, uh, feel free to uh, contact, contact us directly from the website. Oh yeah, forget about that, <laughs> virtualinstruments.com. Thank you. Okay, very good. <laughs> Thank you very much again. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome again to Voices in Data Storage here from uh, Dell Technology World. I'm with Dennis Schiffman now, uh, Chief Product Officer at DriveScale. Hi, Dennis. How are you? Hi, Enrico. I'm good. How are you? The show is uh, proceeding very well, I think. What's your opinion? It's been a great show. It's been really busy. There's so many people here. Um, lots of enterprise customers. Uh, the booth has been busy. We are truly the only true uh, composable infrastructure uh, uh, company here. And, and the enterprise customers are finding what we do very interesting, being able to leverage their PowerEdge servers and their PowerVault storage, as well as their Dell switching in new ways. Uh, to be more effective, more efficient, and and have true scale out infrastructure. So you're building a great partnership uh, uh, with uh, Dell. Uh, can you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. So uh, we are a tier one partner of Dell, uh, which means we're on the the global price list, um, and we help create the uh, composable infrastructure. Uh, capability for Dell, and we have joint customers uh, and very good relationship with them. Um, but as I mentioned, um, we can compose uh, PowerEdge uh, building blocks, uh, servers without storage in them with the uh, PowerVault storage, um, connecting that up with an Ethernet switch in a rack, and creating any variation of compute to storage that the application requires. So that's anything from uh, one compute to three drives, or one compute to 300 drives, say for an object store, uh, where you don't need as much processing, but you do need all that data stored. So um, we create this enormous flexibility out of the uh, hardware customers are already buying. Okay, for uh, um, our listeners who are not really familiar with your architecture, how do you make it possible? You know, I know that you have several components in your architecture. So that's a, it's a great question. So we have an application, an orchestration application called Composer, and that sits in, sits in management space. And that's where you set policy and, and you compose the infrastructure and then you monitor that and, and manage to um, faults. We track everything, monitor status and track everything in the infrastructure. And then we put agents on all of the servers uh, in the infrastructure and um, little software load on all of the storage targets. And then our Composer application, working with the agents in the storage software, can create the composability. And so first it 
discovers and inventories everything in the infrastructure so we know um, the, the brand, the model, uh, all of the drive bays, the processors, we know everything that's in that infrastructure. And so you can actually set a policy for the minimum performance or minimum capabilities or servers that are tagged. And then we automatically create that composed infrastructure. Um, and you can use a single building block. This, the server that you like, lots of our customers pick the most dense uh, Dell server and the storage that you like, and lots of our customers like to put the most density in their act too on the storage side. And then over the Ethernet fabric, um, you create those, those logical servers and then clusters of them. And we automate the creation based on the template or policy that you set. Okay, from the storage perspective, you can use several protocols like SCSI and the NVMe or the fabric. But actually, you announced a, a new option uh, just at the, before this show, right? Yes, we announced NVMe over TCP. So we actually support uh, NVMe over RDMA, NVMe with iSCSI, and then we are the first in the market to announce NVMe over TCP. And the, the great thing about um, TCP is it, it's already in everyone's infrastructure. It doesn't cost you anymore. You don't have to add specialized NICs or adapters. Um, and we do lots of performance tuning in all those scenarios, but we're finding equivalent performance from most of the applications, data-driven applications that our customers run, um, is equal between um, the TCP and RDMA solutions. So, so in the real-world scenarios, because in the lab we know there is a difference, yes. but in the real-world scenarios, it's okay. Yes, it is okay. And it's also in the way that we've architected our application. I mean, we really optimize for... Uh, many building out many iSCSI paths. We have patented load balancing across those paths. We create equivalent performance in a basically networked infrastructure as equivalent to local storage inside the server. So you don't see a performance difference no matter how you run it. But when it comes to NVMe over TCP or NVMe over RDMA, we're seeing very good performance with our solution. Do you think then that uh, NVMe over TCP will be adopted uh, broadly? Yeah, I do think it's the 80-20 rule. I think that there are some applications that are very sensitive to latency, and RDMA does a little better uh, on the latency side. And so I think customers will deploy that. And, and for that reason, it'll, it'll make sense to pay a little extra for, for those specialized um, NICs to create that RDMA fabric. But I think 80% of the market will be very happy with NVMe over TCP um, and their, their servers already run that way. So um, the infrastructure already exists and, and they know it well. And so I do think that it'll be the 80-20 rule for, for NVMe over TCP. Exactly. And so NVMe TCP today, from you, what we can expect as the next step for DriveSchool? So that's a really good question too. We have a lot going on uh, at DriveSchool and what we've been talking a lot about in the marketplace is composing um, compute, your standard compute with any kind of drives, your, your hard drives, your flash drives, slices of flash drives to create any kind of logical server. Uh, we're working with NVIDIA today um, to certify solutions where it's the GPU servers and um, the, but on a GPU server, you still have CPUs, standard CPUs, um, uh, doing the I.O. with the storage. Uh, so it, it, we, we both see um, a great opportunity to have storage outside the GPU server and to be able to compose those GPU servers with the storage for any configuration. And this is also important because People want to reuse their GPUs, and, and with the DriveScale um, composable platform, you can actually set up your logical servers um, and, and cluster them together, and then leave your data in place and detach your CPUs, all of that through software, and then reuse those CPUs for another data set, and then reattach them and reanimate that cluster with the original data. So we make it super automated, super flexible, very easy to deploy, for GPUs, as well as for you know straightforward uh, Intel x eighty sixes. Fascinating. Well, very good. Let's wrap up this segment with uh, a few information on DriveScale. Where we can find uh, DriveScale on the web, on Twitters, and maybe you, if you have a Twitter handle, so to continue the conversation. Absolutely. So. Uh, you can get all kinds of information on DriveScale.com. That's where you find us. We have 
uh, a blog, uh, Will It Compose is the name of the blog, uh, and lots of resources online, and you can also get a, a demo. Uh, my uh, Twitter handle is at DeniseSS. It's easy to find me, uh, Denise Schiffman. Um, also on LinkedIn, pretty easy to find there. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Enrico. I really appreciate it. And with this, I think we can call it uh, an episode. There will be more in the following weeks. On the standard uh, schedule, you will have a couple of interviews that uh, I recorded with um, Dell executives as well as VMAC leaders. And please let me know if you like the show. I, my idea is to record more of this show when I travel to this kind of event. So if you liked it, just leave a comment and let me know. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices and Data Storage, please check out the other ones. Hyperconvergence and infrastructure composability are the focus of a report Enrico wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.